Friday the 13th is the fourth National Workplace Wellbeing Day. But Enda, wellbeing has been around for a lot longer than just four years. I first encountered wellbeing and the impact it could have on your life as a 14-year-old in the Abbey Grammar Christian Brothers School in Northern Ireland. The teacher of the class was a gentleman called Val Cain. We actually refer to this story in the Commit book. And Val Cain introduced us to the idea of men's sana in corporo sano. I'll never forget the particular moment when he introduced it. Because what he was doing was... He was bouncing a basketball on the floor. He loved his basketball. He loved to coach basketball. And he was bouncing the basketball as he was talking about the concept of healthy body, healthy mind. And he was reminding us that in the ancient Olympics, in the ancient Greek Olympics, they were building in recovery. They knew how to train the mind. They knew how to train the body. They knew how to, of course, use aqua therapy for rejuvenation for the athletes. Now, that's, what, circa 2,000, 2,500 years ago. But yet today we think we're very advanced because we're talking about periodization or we're talking about tapering or we're talking about micro and macro cycles or perhaps we're talking about, you know, the different phases of conditioning or maybe we're talking about mindfulness or maybe we're talking about meditation and we think we're really advanced. But if you go to the history and the research behind meditation or yoga, you could maybe date back 15,000 years ago to people meditating. So it's not new. Now, National Workplace Wellbeing is a new concept over the last four years. We actually do not like the idea of National Workplace Wellbeing Day. I prefer to talk about National Workplace Wellbeing Year because it's a full year pursuit. It's a full life pursuit. Wellbeing isn't something you do once a year for us. Wellbeing is something you need to build into your day, your week, your month, your holidays, your business meetings, uh, your corporate travel, what you eat, uh, how much rest recovery you get, how you manage your people, uh, what your office environment is like, like the office environment we're lucky enough to have here in Donnybrook. Uh, it's about who you hire, it's about who you fire. Workplace well-being for me is intertwined into the DNA of your organisation. What we would love is that in the next five years in Ireland, that Ireland is renowned for being a well-being oriented culture rather than at the moment shockingly we're doing very poorly in terms of obesity we're doing very poorly in terms of mental health whether that's in workplace or whether that's in community we're doing really poorly in terms of our activity levels for kids we're doing really really poorly in terms of our joined up approach to well-being and what we would love is, in terms of this podcast, it stimulates not only thinking amongst our listeners, but most importantly, it stimulates action. And just on that, I suppose, Austin O'Malley, one of the key points maybe from this and from what Ender raised is healthy body, healthy mind. Will we take people instead of Ireland, will we take them to Costa Rica maybe and uh, what we learned there recently? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose what we learned from Costa Rica and in particular that blue zone, the Nicoya Peninsula, um, is the concept of pura vida and pure life. And what that means is where, you know, you blur the lines between 
you know, well-being being a, a thing that's just lived on a day like we have at, at the moment, but it permeates and it's all-encompassing and it reaches out into all the different areas of, of your life. And we had a wonderful experience there in that we went and we got to, to see this firsthand and we got to interact with the people. We went into their schools, we went into their hospitals, their churches. We began to see how rich their lives was really from living from this value of Pura Vida. And I suppose when we really delved into it further, we found that from a nutritional perspective, that there was key things that stood out there in terms of eating wholesome and natural foods that were unprocessed. Things like engaging with natural movement every day, working that into your working life. Um, those were two key pillars of it. And I suppose then that, that brought you on to knowing your purpose, your ikigai, uh, in terms of when your feet hit the ground in the morning, you know where you're going and why you're going and what, and what you're going to do. So those were key things that we learned there. How can I actually get through and, and, and inculcate a, a principle of pure vida or workplace well-being? I think first and foremost, well-being is about mindset. If you shift your mindset, you'll realize that the number one priority in all of our lives is our well-being. Because if we don't get our well-being to be rock solid, well, how are we going to make a lot of money? How are we going to shift the needle in our workplace? How are we going to improve the profitability in a workplace? How are we going to, you know, collaborate with other companies, build our business, scale our business, become leaner, become more profitable, uh, improve our technology, transform our business? So every one of the companies you work with, and this week we've probably been interacting with about 20 different companies all around the world, and they're all telling us, we're transforming, we're trying to improve how lean we are, we're trying to become more innovative, we're putting in new data protection systems, we're scaling our technology, we're putting in a new technology system, whatever it is. Well, if your people haven't got rock-solid well-being fundamentals, all of that is absolutely 100% irrelevant. And what we do is we inspire people how well-being is connected to the P&L. And by the P&L, of course, we're referring to performance and leadership. If your performance and leadership is really good, according to all the research, then your financial P&L is going to be much stronger. So linking in with Mr. O'Malley there, how would you say, Osti, we can make people understand that well-being is an everyday pursuit, not just an annual pursuit? I think it's it's really important that people understand first and foremost the concept of well-being and the whole uh, and the holistic approach around it and whereby well-being again it's not a quick fix solution off a shelf it's something that you have to live it has to be part of your values your principles that's from yourself in terms of your own how you guide your own your your own life but also from a company's perspective that it's part of the culture that um, the people that drive the culture within the organization are cultural architects and they understand the importance um, of well-being, what wellness is, and simple principles that they live and they look around every day, around nutrition, around building offices that are conducive to natural movement, around implementing plans where staff feel that they're being invested in. We've we've had too many examples, and into you have seen the organizations that we've gone out into where companies are trying to build great companies, but Great people build great companies. And unfortunately, at present out there at the moment, there's a lot of flat batteries within organizations. And CEOs and heads of departments sometimes don't realize this in terms of they're, they're trying to drive the P&L and, and, and all the other things that build great businesses. But within a great business is driven by great people. But great people need great energy. And without great energy, that's not going to happen. Can I put it to you, though, and 100% what we need here is awareness and education of from the top down. But can I also put it to you that 
people themselves on the ground can make change themselves that it has to also start from within them as well so not to be waiting from you know on high for it to change but make a conscious decision to make a change themselves how can they do that so austin referred earlier on to us having the good fortune to go to costa rica we've also recently had the good fortune to spend time in the other blue zones We've been in Japan recently, we've been in Greece, we've been in Italy, and of course we've been in Costa Rica. That's four of the seven blue zones. We've invested heavily, not only in traveling to those areas, but as Austin has said, getting into the schools, getting into the markets, sitting with a lady at 102 years of age uh, on an old rocking chair out the front of her beautiful house in Costa Rica with no noise other than the birds singing. You might say, Belinda, that's amazing. Well, it's not actually amazing because all of our grandmothers, for anybody who's Irish listening around the world of this podcast, all of our grandmothers, our grandfathers, that's what they were doing. They were doing the things that Austin spoke about. They were moving naturally on the farm as they plowed the land with the horse. If they're an old lady, they were making linen and they're moving constantly all day as they're making the linen. There's actually a linen mill very close to my home in Armagh in Bestbrook. So they would have been naturally moving as Austin said, they would have known their purpose. Their purpose probably would have been to make the most out of their life and raise a really good family. I think we've got so fast-paced in the commercial world in Ireland and around the world that unfortunately we've forgotten about some of the key principles of well-being. So going back to your question, Dara, about should they look up to the CEO or their board or their executive suite to take care of their well-being? That's a very firm no. We believe that everybody should be their own chief energy and well-being officer. We believe that with absolutely everything. And that means that every day I have responsibility for my health, my fitness and my overall well-being. Not my wife or my CEO or the board or the government. I have responsibility. So what I put into my mouth is my choice. Whether I exercise at lunchtime or I sit in the canteen for 60 minutes in the workplace is my choice, not my boss. Whether I spend all weekend, every weekend on emails at Microsoft is my choice. If I spend every single minute of the evening time, perhaps in Investec, responding to emails, that is my choice. If I and CommuniCorp or another one of our clients are very thankful for the opportunity to learn from that organization, if I spend all of my time in CommuniCorp sitting at meetings instead of having some standing meetings, that is my choice. So we try to educate people Uh, and excite them, and yes, inspire them. We try to inspire them that they can make little choices every day that impact their well-being every week, that impacts their longevity for their lives. Austin, what are those choices? I suppose those choices are the simple, and we call it the simple and small wins around everything you do, from when you wake in the morning till you go to bed at night. Simple things like having a healthy breakfast. Can you get a small win there and have an elevated level of protein in your breakfast? Simple win again, a snack. Uh, in between breakfast and lunch a high protein snack something like nat- natural natural yogurt maybe a little bit of hummus on a natural rivita bread something that's a high level protein that keeps our, your protein levels consistently high throughout the day those are simple things we call them small wins where you can organize within your office or your you, when you're commuting on your journey that you have these small um safety nets that are full of healthy snacks that's a very small thing but for someone that's commuting and traveling consistently on a train or a bus uh, or a plane in relation to work 
those are small wins. So we can get small wins all across. But it comes back to Indus Point and the firm know that is it up to the CEO to drive it? Well, it's not, but it, it starts with the, the guy in the mirror. When you, the guy you eyeball or the girl you eyeball in the mirror in the morning, that's who, who, who's responsible for the overall, your overall well-being. And it starts right there and then. What we have learned in terms of the challenges in the workplace in the last nearly 15 years in working with organisations in terms of well-being, organisations like AAB, Recently, being very fortunate to work with Fitbit. By the way, Fitbit have a meeting room with six treadmills in it, and they all stand in the treadmill looking at each other as they have the meeting. So for me, that's workplace well-being uh, with innovation in mind. Primework, of course, and how their leisure were in stores now shaping their mentality in terms of they're starting to change the culture. Microsoft are running world-class well-being programs. Communicorp are now understanding that well-being can become a competitive advantage. We've been very fortunate to travel across 32 countries on behalf of Digicel and understand what well-being looks like in Jamaica. That was a lot of fun. And what well-being looked like in Papua New Guinea, what it looked like in Trinidad and Tobago, what it looked like in organizations or in parts of the world like Haiti. And we learned from all those organizations about well-being. We learned the challenges 24-7 online the challenges of people traveling across the world constantly, the challenge of sitting down in a meeting for four or five hours and trying to think about healthy eating and healthy hydration and maybe even improving the mobility of our lower back. We learn the challenges of the commercial pressures in the workplace. We're learning the challenges of young moms and young dads trying to raise kids as well as driving the P&L. We're learning about the challenge in terms of people in HR roles connecting well-being to the people's strategy. We're learning the challenges of the amount of depression in organizations that we're working with. We're learning the organization working with the people that are burnt out. Austin alluded to people who are exhausted. We're in a really shocking context, meeting people every day of the week, grown women and grown men crying to us in workshops, literally asking us, can they meet us after a workshop in any of the aforementioned companies? And can we sit down with them? We sit down with them in the canteen and we actually have to, in, in essence, give them a hug to stop the organisation, see them crying and streams and floods of tears going down their faces, saying that they can't cope. So on that end of then, the top down has to take a certain amount of responsibility because you're saying people have a choice whether to turn off their emails or not. Well, actually, maybe they don't because they're under such pressure. So maybe this podcast should be also about, for the executives, for the C-suite level listening to this is, and you used a great phrase there, that well-being is actually a competitive advantage. Are we starting to see that concept being grasped and understood more and more? And through the likes of this National Workplace Wellbeing Day, it's becoming understood more. As the CEO of this company, I have a responsibility to make sure that well-being is on the agenda, not once a year in National Wellbeing Day, every single day. There's not one day goes by that if I'm in this business or any of the leaders in this business that we don't talk about well-being or the energy of our team. Not one day. If I look here at what we call our cultural compass, well-being is a key point in our cultural compass. So when we run our meetings, when I'm managing the team, when our leadership team, and Austin is one of the leadership team are running meetings, when we're having one-on-ones, we always lace it back to well-being or energy always always so do ceos have responsibility they fundamentally have responsibility the second thing is the individual has a responsibility so we talk about top down 
bottom up and left to right leadership in the organization and right to left. So it can't just be the CEO, it can't just be the young recruits in the business, it's everybody needs to take ownership for well-being. You might say, who's singularly responsible? Well, I guess the chief people officer. I believe, and this is who we work with in those organizations, like for example, the chief people officer in AAB is a lady called Trina Furter. She has as part of her remit well-being and energy as a key thing that she's measured according to. And AAB are really trying to, it's hard, of course, there's so many people, trying to drive the organization forward to understanding that well-being is so important. Okay, so that's the principles and values at a macro level. Let's give people some takeaways that they can actually, when they go into work on Monday next week, whenever it is, that they can actually go, yeah, I am taking affirmative action starting today. What can they do? I think a key one for me is that your workplace environment is is it's an opportunity uh, to move, and you have to look at it and look um, for opportunities to move within within your workplace. We're quite fortunate here, from our perspective, the way we have our office set up in terms of standing desks and the amount of energy um, that you expend at a standing desk over. The, uh, the, the period of eight hours is quite substantial as opposed to if you're sitting and rooted all day. Simple things like having your executive meetings, walking meetings, getting out in the fresh air, which is hugely important. We, we're fantastically uh, lucky here in that we have Herbert Park next door to us, which we utilise on a regular basis, our recycle meeting. But not alone that, back to the small wins again in terms of the healthy snacks around the office and the safety nets. And again, key simple thing like hydration as well around the office um, to keep people fully hydrated in terms of their concentration levels and all of that then. Me and Austin recently were in the middle of a sales meeting here and it was pretty intensive. I think that sales meetings, the best sales meetings are, they're intensive. There's a lot of uh, almost internal combustion. You're challenging each other about how to improve things and how to grow the sales and how to and grow obviously the top line. But it was really, really focused. We, we like to make it almost like a, a sales boxing match. But Interestingly, me and Austin were going at it hard. There was a sales meeting and then there was an operation meeting. Maybe there was a marketing meeting and maybe there was a meeting in terms of a, a leadership meeting. So it was back-to-back-to-back meetings, as what happens in a lot of workplaces. We always try to make our meetings a little bit of fun, make them high energy. We try to create breaks in between, the right fuel in between meetings. So that's the food and the water and maybe at the right time a little shot of espresso. But me and Austin, we were, let's be honest, really tired, really exhausted. Uh, I think we were just after flying in from Tokyo, uh, being one of our clients over there. We were pretty exhausted. A little bit of jet lag was involved. A bit of heat because of the sales targets hadn't been hit that month. So I said, Ozzy, let's go. It was raining outside and we jumped on the, the company bicycles, really nice bicycles. So I'd advise uh, the companies to invest in bicycles that people want to get on. They're nice, comfortable bicycles, city bikes. So we jumped on the bicycles. What happened? Complete transformation, I suppose, in terms of our own energy levels and where we were. It was night and day, actually, from where we left the office and got back. Um, you know, our energy had, had, had absolutely gone through the roof. We had managed to, I suppose, come to a pass on, on a number of things that were quite um, contentious before we left the room. But that was just in terms of a shift in mindset because we changed our energy, we changed our location, and it was an activity. We came back in refreshed, and the meeting ran seamlessly afterwards. So those are key little things that you learn along the way in terms of you know um, altering or pulling the levers within, I suppose, a corporate environment where you are obviously going back to back with meetings and things can get hot and heavy as they need to. And there can be you know kind of a, an intellectual tennis game going on at times. And that can be quite 
training, but to get out, change the dynamic, refresh, come back, um, and it makes all the difference. And they're more simple, simple wins again. What about mindset and dealing with stress? Because that seems to be a constant that's always, always coming up. I guess if we're talking about our well-being model, our well-being model is very holistic, as Austin has said. First of all, it's your physical well-being. Then it's your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your career well-being, and finally your financial well-being. So the model that we educate and more importantly activate organizations and companies and workplaces on is that model. So the practical steps in each of those pillars of well-being, first of all on the physical, as Austin said, it's eating well, it's moving well, it's sleeping well, it's hydrating well, it's recovering well. They are the fundamental blocks in regard to physical well-being. If we're talking mental well-being, believe it or not, sleep is pretty important. Recovery is pretty important. Managing stress is pretty important. Meditation, if we were to give people uh, who are listening to the podcast medication, I would say please meditate. Please meditate daily. And please observe the impact it has on your overall well-being. So when we were in Costa Rica, again, we were amazed at the people who were meditating uh, to look after their overall well-being. Similarly in Japan, similarly in Italy, and when we go around the world, we never cease to be amazed at people who remind us about meditation. So as we draw to a close in this podcast, our call to action would be really simple. Our call to action would be, first of all, reflect on your mindset around well-being, Write down a plan, and it doesn't necessarily need to be on a moleskin journal, but write it down, maybe on your mobile, maybe use your smart technology, but write it down somewhere where you're going to have access to it all the time. Then put together a team. In your well-being team, it should be first and foremost your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or perhaps your partner. If you're not lucky enough to have a partner or a spouse, maybe it's a good friend. In that team, think about your doctor, because your doctor needs to be involved with this journey. And I would like doctors, by the way, and medical professionals like us to lead by example. If anybody walks in the door here seeking advice on well-being, I hope we're trying at least to practice it every day, not just National Wellbeing Day. So put that team around yourself. Try and get a really good friend along with you on that journey and try and get some people in your community, whether that's community at work or whether that's community outside of work. As Austin said, try and make your working environment really conducive to well-being. That's where you sit or where you stand, where you eat. If you haven't got the best workplace in the world, use your imagination. Could you brighten it up? Could you have a Swiss ball that you sit on during the day rather than the chair? Could you perhaps have a medicine ball that during the day you throw the ball to each other to liven the meeting up? Could you cycle to work? If you can't cycle to work, maybe you're disabled, by the way, uh, how could you work out your upper body? If you're not lucky enough to have your ability uh, physically, what can you do in terms of meditation? So maybe mentally we can do the exercises. And finally, I would say get moving. And I don't only mean get physically moving. Mentally get moving towards well-being being something we do every single day. I'll remind you, at the end, in that old school gymnasium, over 25 years ago, as he bounced the basketball, he said, Men sana in corporo sano. Men sana in corporo sano. 
healthy body, healthy mind. That is not just one day at work. That's not just one meal with your young kids. That's not just one day going to yoga. That's not a Pilates session. That's not one nice workshop in your company about nutrition. That's not the CEO having one town hall meeting about the importance of mental health. It's every day, it's every meeting, it's every interaction, it's every weekend, and it's building it into the DNA of your organization. We don't believe in National Wellbeing Day. We believe in building Pura Vida and well-being into your life.